Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. I'm really happy to welcome today's guest. Disa Philadelphia has worked as a journalist for many years in staff positions at the PBS NewsHour and Time Magazine, as a contributor to CNN, and as a freelance writer covering politics, culture, and entertainment for regional and national television and radio programs. Disa now works at the USC School of Cinematic Arts in Los Angeles. She joins us from L.A., but Disa was born in Guyana. Disa Philadelphia, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Let's just get this right out of the way because I think some of our listeners may not know that your home country is located in South America. On the northeast coast of South America, right next to Brazil and Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And you were born in Georgetown, which is a coastal town, right? Yes, it's the capital um, of Guyana along the coast where most of the population lives. Okay, so tell us about your family and the culture that you grew up in. Well, the, Guyana is um, a very, I'd say, traditional culture. Uh, a lot of our cultural, our cultural practices are very centered on the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, it's very common for people to live with their parents well into middle age if they don't get married and move out. And um, a lot of homes are multi-generational. So, for example, before I was born, my parents lived with my grandmother, um, before they bought their own house. And then when I was about 12, 13, my grandmother moved in with us, mm-hmm. which was uh, not that great for a <laughs> someone on the verge of, <laughs> of a teenage life. But, yeah. you know, it's normal there. So and you then, had three um, generations act- under the one roof. Yeah, and then after I left for college, actually, my great-aunt, my grandmother's older sister, moved into the house, too. So um, Wow. So, yeah, and so when my parents moved in with my grandparents, my great-grandmother was living with them, too. So um, multi-generational homes and are very common there. You know, what I just described to you is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the And my parents cared for my great-aunt, my grandmother's older sister, until she died. She, I think she was, she was in her late 90s when she died. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother is now uh, 92, and um, and she's still in Guyana. Still lives in the house that I yeah still lives in the house I grew up in. And are your parents still living there? My parents actually uh, they have a unique situation. They live in Toronto, Canada, with my brother and his family. Mm-hmm. So you know, my brother has a multi generational home uh, there too. And uh, but you know my grandmother is in Guyana, so they spend several months out of the year in Guyana too. My grandma, they would like my grandmother to move to Toronto, mm-hmm. but she just 
is not willing to do the winter. So, for example, last year uh, she was in Toronto probably from the late spring until December, and then she'd had enough, so they had to take her back to Canada. So. <laughs> Does she travel because on her all own? My, no, they go get her. Okay. And, uh, and my, mother's sis, my mother has uh, three other sisters who also live in Toronto, and so they also, during the year, will go back and forth to Guyana. Two of them are retired, so they go for, you know, substantial periods of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, between the four of them, the thing is that they, you know, because they have children and grandchildren in the U.S. and Canada, my parents want to be here. They go to New York a lot to see my sister's kids. So they want to be here, but, you know, my grandmother is their, they consider their responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so, and they don't want to force her to live her last years where she doesn't want to. Sure. So, so it's a, a big sacrifice going back and forth. Does she live alone, your grandmother? No, actually with a woman who's, you know, I've known my whole life. When I was mm-hmm. growing up, her mother worked with us in the house. And so she lives with my grandmother to to help her. And then I have my godmother lives in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so my godmother is there every day checking up on her, making sure she has everything she needs. And, and I think my parents think of my godmother as the primary caretaker when they're not there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that works out very well for them. For example, my godmother is going on vacation in December, I think it is. So my parents are going to make sure that they are in Guyana before she leaves for her vacation. (laughs) So it's very much, uh, you know, like a coordinated effort. And they're very lucky that they have, you know, uh, my mother, that she has siblings and friends who are also willing to share the responsibility. And when was the last time you went to Guyana? The last time, my my daughter, who's five now, is named after my great aunt who lived with my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, her name was Lillian. And so I wanted my daughter to at least meet her and for her to, you know, to see her before mm-hmm. she died. So when my daughter was almost two, so three years ago, she and I went to Guyana for a month and I worked from there and, mm-hmm. and we just hung out so that she could spend time with her. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like for you and to then, go back? You don't, probably don't go back that much, right? I don't go back um, as often um, as I... It's um, it's interesting because, like, everywhere else, you know, because of globalization, Guyana is changing rapidly. Mm-hmm. And so every time I go back, it seems like a different place, but yet it's the same place. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like, I guess it's kind of the same thing, you know, when people go back to their hometowns after. But... Um, the longest I was away um, without going back was probably about five years. So I'd like to to go back every three or four years or so. I, I plan to go back in the next year or two. And my husband hasn't been there, so this next trip he's going to come. Mm-hmm. And where yeah, yeah. where is Aaron from and how did you meet him? Aaron is from Toronto, you know, where my parents live. And my mother has, um, my mother's sisters have, I grew up in Guyana, but my mother's sisters moved to Toronto, one before I was born and the other two while I was growing up. So I have Canadian cousins and my husband went to high school with my cousins. Okay. So when I was visiting Toronto for the holidays one year, uh, my cousin introduced us. Mm-hmm. And so your parents are in Toronto. How, how often do you see them? I see them several times a year. 
the least amount of time I see them is once a year. But recently it's been working out that I see them two or three times a year. The periods when I, I saw them last is because my father, about two years ago, had open-heart surgery, quadruple bypass, and a valve replacement. Mm-hmm. And so other than going back to Guyana, he doesn't like to travel a lot. And so we have to go there to see him. And because of that, it's kind of become a little more difficult. However, this year he turned 80, so we had a couple celebrations. So we saw uh, more of them. And we we're actually going to Toronto for Christmas, but mm-hmm. they will already have left to go to Guyana, so we'll probably miss them then, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so it's that, uh, you know, it's what happens when you're trying to coordinate lives on, you know, different coasts and different countries, right, and you must, now you've been in LA for how long now? I've been in L.A. for 12 years now. Wow, that's a long time to be far away from your family. In terms of being far away from my family, it you know it's been even longer. I've been been far away from my family since I was eighteen, and I left for college because my parents were still living in Diana then. Mm-hmm. And um, the same year I graduated, they moved to Toronto. So from the time I became an adult, it's always been navigating international relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's <laughs> uh-huh. you know, so I've, it's something that I've gotten used to. It's become uh-huh. the norm. Yeah. So what sort of health issues are you facing now with your parents? Well, my father had, you know, the heart surgery, and right. so that's become um, very central to his and my mother's life. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. Um, he luckily did not have a heart attack. It was discovered in a routine checkup that he had a blockage, and so he didn't have any muscle damage, and so that's good. He's 80 years old, so he's starting to get forgetful. Not, you know, officially diagnosed with dementia yet, but but you could sort of see that creeping in, and uh-huh. that's worrisome. Just about everyone, I think except my brother, who's younger, has high blood pressure because it's genetic in our family. So my sisters and I are, and my parents are all on medication, and I work out, you know, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm at a healthy weight, so is my sister. But so nobody in my family is obese. But uh, we we have high blood pressure. I, in fact, I discovered my high blood pressure while I was training for a marathon. Oh wow! So yeah, so I I had a, a headache, and luckily for us, we have triggers, which is not um, uh-huh. often the case with people. So mm-hmm. like my sister and I get headaches. You know, my other sister gets some nausea. So it's it's good when you have those physical symptoms of it not being great. Uh-huh. So I had a headache for about eight days that I couldn't get rid of. And I thought it was because I was running so much, but I tried everything. And then I eventually went to the doctor and my blood pressure was through the roof. And from then on, it's always been a matter of trying to keep it in check, which I my preferred method is through exercise and weight control and not eating any salt. But as I've gotten older, that's, you know, not been enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm back on medication now. I had I had a couple episodes this year and, and realized that I, I needed to be on a very strict 
regimen of medication right now. So mm-hmm. hopefully that'll change. But, you know, with my parents, it's their high blood pressure, my father, his, his heart issues. Other than the high blood pressure, my mother hasn't had any major issues. She had a lumpectomy a couple years ago, but it was benign. And she's had some carpal tunnel issues. But other than that, it, she's quite vigorous. So. Mm-hmm. Is she And she's of sound mind. You don't see any dementia creeping in there? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. No, and she's in. Um, she's almost ten years younger than my father. Oh, so she okay. is mm-hmm. Yeah, so my my father is eighty, and she's seventy one. Also, um, my mother is the recipient of the genes of my grandmother, uh-huh. who really didn't start showing real signs of dementia until she was ninety. Same thing, my great-aunt, her sister, also didn't really start deteriorating until she was in her 90s, so. Mm -hmm. Now, so your parents are living... They live uh, with my brother and his family. Oh, your brother and his family, that's right. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah, they were living on their own for a while, but it's been several years now that they, they moved in. At the time, my brother had three kids under five years old. (laughs) (laughs) So they were depending on my parents a lot for babysitting and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, to help them. And they have the room. They have a a big enough house in Toronto that my parents give up their place and move in with them, which they did. Mm -hmm. And it especially works out now that they spend so much time in Ghana because my brother's kids are now in school, so they don't need them as much. So they're not, you know, like trying to upkeep a place in Toronto when they're in Guyana, they've got their room in my brother's house, and, you know, that's enough for them. The yeah. lodgers. <laughs> exactly. Well, that works out pretty well, um, it seems like. I, and I guess it, yeah, wasn't, it was, wasn't as much of an adjustment for your brother as it might be for, let's say, an American family who are not really used to having their parents under a roof, because the concept of multi-generational living is very familiar to your whole family. Yeah, I have several friends who are going through this right now. Mm -hmm. several American friends, I should say. Mm -hmm. I mean, for my brother and his wife, they saw it as a benefit, my parents moving in with them. You know, if anything, they were probably afraid my parents would say no. (laughs) (laughs) But I see it with several of my American friends whose parents are having health problems, and the idea of them moving in with them isn't even on the table. And and I think because they're so not used to it, mm-hmm. that's probably a good thing because I could see it putting a strain on marriages, sure. on careers which are needed in order to be able to help the parents or, you know, mm-hmm. and because it's such um, a foreign thing. But, you know, in Guyana, a lot of people live with their parents and grandparents out of duty and out of thinking that that's the way everything is and that there's no other alternative. It's mm-hmm. not until, I mean, uh, there's probably a couple um, what they call old folks homes in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And it's only until, you know, people really have no, like I have a friend whose grandmother lived out her last days in one, but by then all the members of her family had moved to Canada or the United States Mm -hmm. and needed to be in Canada or the United States to work, to take care of children and even her grandmother and and themselves. But it really is kind of a a choice of last resort in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it affects some people uh, negatively because if you think about it, you know, logically, 
a one-size-fits-all arrangement can't possibly be right for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And yet you've got, you know, so many people who are, I don't want to say forced, but who do it out of obligation, whereas, you know, it would be better for their situation if they could have some sort of independent living facility for their parents. I mean, being a teenager with my grandmother in the house was not fun. <laughs> it wasn't. Because. <laughs> because. You know, my mother and I would be having a conversation and she would interject with her, you know, the way she thinks right. we should do things. When, when if boyfriend, <laughs> if my boyfriend was over at the house and it was getting late and she thought it was too late, whereas my parents didn't, then she would constantly be walking through the the living room going <laughs> and, or making noises or you know or or she would tell you know it's like I I would say to my mother oh my friends are going on this we're going to a creek for the day because in Ghana we drive out to these creeks to go swimming and picking you know mm-hmm. and you know then I'd hear her telling my mother I wouldn't let her go and you know then that would cause an argument uh-huh. or she would tell me that I was too lazy or I was too messy or, you know, it's like an older person who's stuck in their own ways who thinks that they know what's, you know? Right. So it wasn't fun. In fact, when when my great aunt, her older sister, moved in, I didn't live there anymore. But when I would visit, (laughs) the two of them would argue over what advice they think they should give me. <laughs> it was, <laughs> so and it was, it was really funny at times, but my, my her, it's funny because her older sister was much more laissez-faire. She had lived a very, um, a life that was considered an anomaly in Guyana. And, um, and so she would that? be, you know, like, my grandmother, for instance, got married at 18 mm-hmm. or 17, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then had five children. And when I was growing up, my grandmother was really depressed because she, you know, her husband then left her with these children and started another family. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't very maternal. You know, she, you knew clearly she would much more have rather than to, you know, probably go off to college or go off and do something. She was very self-centered, very mm-hmm. much into what she wanted to do. And her older sister, um, my Aunt Lillian, she was in love with someone in her early 20s, but his parents didn't want her, uh, didn't want him to marry her. And he ended up marrying the woman that his parents wanted him to marry. And she just kind of decided that she would live her own life after that. So she was, you know, she always started businesses and she would, she had bows, as they called them. Right. She had men, who she, right. but she never married anyone else. And then when she was in her 60s, the man who she was in love with when she was in her 20s, his wife died and the two of them got married. Oh, wow. And had, and you know, she said, you know, he treated me like a queen. You know? uh-huh. And they had, you know, kind of a fairy tale romance for 20 years until he died. And she was very much into politics, always had very strong opinions about what policies should be. And, and she followed Guyanese politics and American politics. And I always thought if she had not been born in a rural area of a poor country, you know, and had had opportunities, uh-huh. I can't imagine what she had become. Because at the time she was born, you know, not only was she born in Diana, which was a British colony at the time, but she was born in the country area where girls didn't get a great education. Uh-huh. And she was black. 
so. And she had every disadvantage, but she still managed to create the life she wanted. Incredible. So, um, yes. And even my grandmother, I admire, I guess now as an older person, for being kind of selfish and not just, I mean, I, I do think that it led to her being depressed for many years of her life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were feisty women. They had two other sisters who were also really feisty women. My grandmother's older, another older sister, Aunt Doris, who I was very close to, she was a seamstress, was her occupation, but people thought she was psychic and she didn't discourage that. (laughs) So she would give people advice on their life and what they should do and what she thought she saw. I remember one time when I was in high school, she said to me, they called my grandmother and her sisters are the only people who ever called me Didi. So she said, Didi, you're going to get everything you want in life, but you're going to shit grease to get it. (laughs) Which means, you know, you, you, you know, by explanation, I found that means I'm going to have to work really hard, oh, you know, yeah. to get it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. That's, and, of course, that falls under the category of a fortune rather than common sense advice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but she saw it as a fortune. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and it, when she was dying, she would kept telling everyone that she was dying. And everyone is like, will you stop it? Including me. I'm like, will you stop it? And Doris, you're not dying. Uh, because she seemed quite, uh, mm. she was having some breathing problems, but she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm dying. And she goes, the only thing I want is just, you know, to have a marching band playing when the saints go marching in at my funeral. <laughs> wow. That's all I need. That's all. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, I was visiting and I left and two days later she died. And I was so upset. And I said to my mother, I'm like, well, you know, are we going to get her a marching band? And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, she told me the only thing she wanted was a marching band uh, that played when the saints go marching in. And my mother's like, oh. Okay, I'm going to have to find a band. <laughs> and she did, you know. Oh, my. How fantastic. <laughs> but the, I should probably add that at that time, my Aunt Doris, who had her, her own house, but for all, you know, intents and purposes, was also living at my parents' house mm-hmm. at the time. So my parents had my grandmother and her two sisters there. Wow. With what, them what a setup. and my brother. What a setup. Yeah, exactly. And wow. it was... Um, Talk about Golden yeah. Girls. <laughs> exactly. And it and it was definitely that dynamic where, you know, they felt like they could say anything they wanted to, do anything they wanted to. You know, it's like they would be cooking at one thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. My <laughs> yeah. mother would be like, what's going on? It's like, oh, they, you know, they were hungry. So they decided to cook. It's one thirty in the right. morning. My mom know? does stuff like that. I mean, she doesn't cook, but she, yeah. you know, she gets up. She has a little nibble. Could be any hour. But that's the great thing about older folks, too. You know, they're, un- well, it's good and bad, but I'm just so entertained by the lack of a filter that so many older people have that, hey, you know, yeah. that there must there must be some advantage to getting older and, and just saying whatever's on your mind is one of them, yeah. apparently. I had an elderly man walk up to me at the bank last week, put his arms around me and gave me a kiss. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> wow. It's that's borderline inappropriate. Well, maybe probably more than borderline inappropriate. But he told me I was beautiful and said, "Have a beautiful day." And he was on his way, and I, and it was kind of like I couldn't be mad at it. That's hilarious. 
So what are your concerns uh, for your parents now? Do you expect that they'll be traveling for, for a long time? Yeah, I think um, eventually they will probably settle down in Guyana. Mm. because, you know, the winters in Canada are starting to get hard for them. Mm-hmm. And they have so many friends and such a dynamic life in Guyana that I think that they will eventually want to stay there the whole year, which is not necessarily a good thing for my siblings and I, because none of us has any plans to move back to Guyana. And so I could see us kind of on the same path that my parents are on now with my grandmother, where we're taking turns shuttling back and forth there to make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. And for my brother and his wife, my parents are the elderly in their life that they, and my grandmother that they, you know, that they have to focus on. Mm-hmm. My sister, who's I, one of my sisters is married, with children, and the other two are still single without children. And where do they live? And um, all three of my sisters live in New York. Okay. And so my sister, who's married, her husband, his father died a few years ago, mm-hmm. and his mother is still alive, but he has four sisters who huh. are very much involved in his mother's life mm-hmm. and who she will probably very soon like she practically she still has an apartment but she practically lives with his sister she shuttles between Mm -hmm. their places so she'll probably end up living with one of his sisters and i'm saying that to say that for my siblings my parents are going to be the elderly in their lives that they're going to have to factor into their planning because my brother-in-law, he's the errand boy for his mother, mm-hmm. but his sister take care of whatever her situation is going to be. But um, for me and my husband, we also have to consider his parents. Right. Because his parents are a lot younger than my parents. They're in their mid-60s. And they are now starting to have some really serious health problems. His mother, um, a few weeks ago, just finished chemotherapy for colon cancer. And his father, about two and a half, three weeks ago, was diagnosed with early stage prostate cancer. Oh, gosh. So they are going to have... His mother is remarried and lives... His mother is very uh, sprightly, very independent. She lives in, um, in northern Ontario they get a lot of snow. She spends half her year in the Canadian wilderness in a wow. house on a lake wow. that they build. She's in a curling league, and she's retired now, so she does. These are all her full-time activities. She's mm-hmm. an artist, and she's in a quilting bee that they do like really amazing work that they donate to Canada's version of the AIDS quilt. Their quilts are sold to raise money huh. for HIV treatment for people who can't afford it. And mm-hmm. also, I mean, she's had artwork and traveling exhibitions in Canada, and her, their quilts have been to She and her sister quilt together. And mm-hmm. her sister, who lives very close to her, and who's also, you know, very active and is in her early 60s. So her colon cancer was caught very early, and mm-hmm. it, she seems to have made a full recovery. So, but she, and she's so she's you know in great health. But Aaron's father, who you know just got diagnosed with um, with prostate cancer, early stages, with prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, early stages. He uh, has very serious diabetes. And so he, right now he lives with Aaron's brother in Toronto and travels between his, his brother and his sister live mm-hmm. about three hours apart. And so he, um, even though he's got these health problems, he's still very active. He still drives. He still, you know, does whatever he wants. He goes to see his friends. He's very active. Mm-hmm. He, um, he, he lives with Aaron's brother by choice. He doesn't have to. And he does it, you know, to help out Aaron's brother's family. But his health problems are very substantial. So um, I think he is going to be someone who we end up having to factor into our life plan. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot to factor in for all your different family members. So have you learned anything about yourself in the process of, you know, dealing with all this stuff? Because it's a big change when you have to sort of absorb all that. Yeah, I think, and and this is a conversation uh, my husband and I have had recently, especially with the health problems of his parents, because they were always seemed so much younger and sprightlier and and more active than my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the, I mean, from the time we've met, you know, his parents have always been like the young people. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> my mm-hmm. parents, especially my father, are so much older than them. You know, they get along and hang out as well, but his parents definitely have their pursuits. Mm-hmm. His father is an actor and still, you know, still oh, works. Huh. Yeah. But, you know, we've had these conversations about, especially because we live so far, and, in, and we think that we'll be in Los Angeles for at least five more years because of our daughter's education. So we've, you know, been talking about, you know, what that would look like with our parents. Mm-hmm. And I I would have thought, um, I know this might come as a surprise to you because I grew up in Guyana in a multi-generational home, but I would have thought that I was the kind of person who would find a senior living place for my parents or my in-laws mm-hmm. where they, you know, where people were charged with keeping them active and all that. But my husband and I, I said to him, and if my parents or your parents were really struggling and they needed us, I think they would have to move in with us. And he said, yeah, Hmm. (laughs) you know. Hmm. So I guess that upbringing did have more of an effect on me than I thought. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And you live in a town where you're surrounded by people who who really kind of refuse to grow old. So that must be kind of weird, given your cultural background. It is. Yeah, it is. And you never know. You never really know how old people are until the great equalizer hits them, which is health issues. Mm -hmm. Because you have a lot of people who look okay on the outside because (laughs) they've paid to look that way. (laughs) How old are you? But all is not well on the inside. Huh? I was thinking when you said exactly. that. How old are you under there? Under oh, yeah. the- <laughs> exactly. Can I just look under the hood? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my husband is a mechanic, so that's what he says, you know? <laughs> that's what he is, right. <laughs> He's like, you know, he goes, even if you've got a great paint job, if the engine's not working, the car's not going anywhere, you know? <laughs> But at least you work in an academic setting, which is a little more realistic. <laughs> yeah. So you so you see you see people who look their age probably, and you know. 
<laughs> I work at the School of Cinema, so right, right. <laughs> surrounded okay, right. by a lot okay. of Hollywood types. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that offsetting factor. That's funny. So, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, have you changed the way that you look at life and people as you have aged? Yeah, and you know, even though we're joking about people having plastic surgery in LA and all that, I don't think that's bad.、Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's really great about LA is that people are so into trying to live as youthful a life as they can. So you know, exercise isn't you know something that you structure time for. It's kind of built in a lot to you know social activities because people will go will meet to go hiking.、Mm-hmm. They'll you know people will walk on the beach in the morning, and so it's a very social thing to do.、Mm-hmm. And it's not a surprise that a lot of exercise crazes that sweep the country start here. Because people think a lot about how to take care of their bodies, and、um, it's not you know it's not that you don't have the same kinds of problems that the rest of America is experiencing with you know, obesity and, and unhealthy eating and all that. It's just that if you decide that you want to be healthful, it's a lot more accessible here. Mm-hmm. Pharma, there's a farmers market in every community, you, you know. Regardless, low-income communities in LA have farmers markets that、mm-hmm. have fresh produce and that's affordable. So、um, I think we're really lucky here. We were talking for a long time about moving back to Toronto. Whenever we were there, my husband would always joke because I'd be in the supermarket and I couldn't find something. He's like, "I don't know how you're going to survive here without Trader Joe's or the <laughs> farmers market." Oh, <laughs> you know? oh, well, Trader Joe's hasn't hit Canada yet. Toronto,、huh. <laughs> farmers market, I can、um, see, yeah, but. You would think Trader Joe's, yeah, but they have farmers markets in Toronto too. Yeah, but you know, not it's not, same, you know, it's not in the winter. Yeah,、know. exactly. Well, they probably do, and you know, it's just not as it's just not as accessible as it is is here. Sure, you know, sure, sure. You walk a few feet and you hit another farmers market. So right, and it's easy to、yeah. poke fun at LA because of its obsession with youth and anti aging. But the reality is, there's an upside to that. If you have access to good produce and There's a way to stay young without going under the knife, and yeah,、uh, <laughs> and and there's and I've also learned, you know, living here, there's a way to go under the knife without it being an obsession, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there are people, and they're very easy to point out, who go under the knife very regularly. <laughs> And there are people who had, you know, one thing they weren't happy with, and they took care of it, and that was it. Right. Or one thing that was hindering their ability to do, you know, what they wanted, and so they took care of that so that they could, as Oprah would say, live their best life. So that I've learned is, you know, I think that's fine. Sure. But you know, it's it's the people who are walking. Walking wax museums that <laughs> that that give the, everybody else a bad name. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! Yeah, well, you、yeah. know, it's all there, full spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> so, how would you like to live your later years? What does that look like for I you? I think I. I mean, I hope that I would be in good health. So that my husband and I could live independently from our children, I think I'd like to live close to my family. I think my daughter 
it's really at a disadvantage because she doesn't get to see her grandparents as much as she and we would like her to. And a lot of times I, I keep having to remind her, you know, of which grandparent does what and what. And now she's asking a lot more questions about what they about do that. and sure. what they, yeah. Because she's at that age. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And my husband and I were also talking about how we could try to maybe take her to spend a week or two with them by herself. So I think I would like to live within driving proximity of my children and grandchildren. But I do think that I would like to, for as long as possible, live independently. Mm -hmm. And as far as living in L.A., just sort of taking it a little bit at a time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah, sense. I mean, we've really grown accustomed to life in L.A., and we really like it. Mm-hmm. If we could transport all our, you know, family here, it would really make sense for us. But, you know, as our families, and, and also, you know, the other reason why we're we're thinking that we will be the ones moving back east is because we only have one child. Right. And so and so it's it's easier... Uh, for us to do. And also because we only have one child, we think it's really important for her to have a relationship with her cousins because they're her surrogate siblings. Mm-hmm. And when she's with them, she loves being with them. Aww. And so it's hard for her to leave them. Mm-hmm. So, Do you have yeah. any concerns for her as she ages and or hopes for her in particular? Well, I really do. And I'm hoping that because the baby bloom generation is so influential that by the time she's a senior, that seniors will have the sort of exalted (laughs) place in our society that they should have. Mm -hmm. Because I, I feel like in Guyana, even though, you know, they live with us and all that, it's kind of seen like, oh, we have to do that so that we can take care of them, you know? And in the U.S., it's like their health issues get given the the place of primacy rather than their emotional well-being. You know what I mean? Absolutely, that's a great great distinction too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I um so I mean I could see I, I mean there are a lot of seniors who should be still working. Mm-hmm. You know who should have opportunities to contribute to what's going on in the country should have uh, you know rather than just getting out the vote, they should have opportunities to contribute to policy mm-hmm. questions. And so I feel like I hope that by the time she's a senior, people will have accepted that it's a normal thing for seniors to have dynamic emotional lives. You know, like right now, I feel like it's, you know, when you hear stories of, you know, 80-something-year-olds who are dating and having sex and whatever, it's treated like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God, that's so great. Like, it's an anomaly, you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I feel like the idea that, you know, anything that seniors want to do, they should be able to do, and it should be accepted that, you know, that's just a part of their own individual lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that there have been some movies out lately where older people have been fe- featured in featured roles. We had Lily Tomlin in Grandma. We've got Robert De Niro now in The 70-Year-Old Intern. Yeah, yeah. That's coming out. Mm-hmm. Seniors seem to be hip now. You know, you got those commercials on TV with... The Volkswagen ones, too, right, with the right. old, older sisters. 
and Grace and Frankie on um, Netflix. Netflix mm-hmm. as but here's, you know, something that, that strikes me, too, about those. To me, I always have these shows about, and movies about seniors doing things that we don't think seniors should do, or like right. coming out, or being interns. or And that's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like this idea that seniors doing youth for or with grandma, you know, like, you know, helping her granddaughter, you know, fix a drug deal gone wrong or whatever, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So to me, this idea of it's all, you know, like, oh, seniors not being seniors. Yeah. I mean, and I do think the Golden Girls was it was very much a breakthrough show for that reason. Yeah. Is that it's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was they were just women who were doing who were being you know right rather than a foil for a younger exactly. person struggling yeah. through some life problem right. or some plot complication mm-hmm. is there anything else that you'd like to add i want to let you go i think i i just as as i'm hitting middle age <laughs> <laughs> the thing that i appreciate is that everyone at every age has something to offer everyone else. And so I seek out opportunities for my daughter now to interact with older people. One of her besties from preschool, who she still we still see every week and we keep up with it, their grandfather died um, a few weeks ago, and he was 95, I think. Hmm. And my daughter and I talked a lot about the fact that he lived in the house with them and I told her, Granny used to live in the house with us when I was growing up. and that. So I want her to appreciate that elderly people are a vibrant part of our society and culture and who we are, because she is, too. I mean, she's five years old, and while she doesn't teach me a lot in terms of information, she teaches me a whole lot in terms of remembering how to be and how to live life. You know, it's like the, the, the conversations I have with her about sharing and being kind are reminders to me, you know, and the things, the observations she makes about, you know, the moon and the stars and, and even just, do you know that when people are mad, they say this? It just <laughs> reminds us. Yeah. Yeah, to really to cool. appreciate you know the the processes and things you know and, sure. and that sure. and not to take things for granted. So I just I feel like in accepting my place in the middle, it's good to look up and down mm-hmm. <laughs> and appreciate you know how they enrich my life. That's really really wonderful. Well, Disa Philadelphia, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really, really interesting talking with you. Thanks for having me, Jen. It, was, it really was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at jana at agewise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at agewise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well. Age wise. <laughs>